Welcome back to the Purple Worm, a podcast where three British role players talk about things that have been of interest to us in the role playing arena, and we try and put a bit of a British spin on them. And this evening, we're going to be talking about things that we find useful or that you might like to include in your GMs kit. And we'll get to that after the music. I don't have Buster Keaton felt something now. Okay, there we go. So, to start this off, like I said, we're talking about things that we have in our own gem kit that we think might be useful for you guys out there to have in yours. So, if no one minds, I'd like to kick it off just so I've got a nice example here. And I'd like to talk about these bad boys here. <laughs> Go on, listen to, that, listen to that beautiful sound. That's a, a big fat stack of index cards. And I've talked a lot about why I think these are useful because they allow you to quickly make notes during a session. In fact, I've got a small stack of them here, which are from my last vampire game. But because they're only small, they force you to try and sort of write things in a precise manner rather than just go. I mean, obviously, you can use more cards, but you know, you don't want to list on stuff for ages. And I'm not saying I've got a problem with index cards, but pretty much whenever my wife Hannah goes past a, a stationery shop, she always buys me like a pack of index cards. <laughs> like she, she went, she went out today. Yeah. She went into town to buy some shopping, and she came back and she was like, "I'll get you these." And it was a pack of like multicolored index cards. So I've normally got loads to hand, and they're not very expensive, to be honest. But the handy, another handy thing about them is obviously if you've got like a little stack here, you can rearrange them to like rearrange your notes if you write one specific thing or like one scene or one character per index card. And I just normally get like a paper clip or like a little bulldog clip and I clip this stack together and go, oh, well, there's session one done. And you know, you can mess about. And the, the, the beauty of them as well is you can draw little maps on them, can't you? Put them yeah. down on the table if you're doing it in a of the mind. Uh, it, I use them for like conditions. If somebody's blinded or something, I can write it on the card in Sharpie and just toss it across the table to remind them. Yeah. Um, they're, great, they're great for zone maps as well. You know, if you've got a stack of yeah. index cards, you can write like the name of the zo- of a zone on each card lay them out in like a rough grid or a rough layout on a table boom you've got a very simple map you know if you want to do like a and a point crawl uh, you also get them now in in packs uh, for schools called they, they call them revision um flash cards basically it's, it's colored index cards with a, a ring through the, the edge but you can buy the rings online anyway so what i tend to is like just punch a hole in them and it, for my notes i've got them on a ring and you can just flip through them and it keeps them all together so that's another little handy oh, tip i've not seen those Mm. Yeah, you could do you could do a similar thing if like you punch a corner, you you could put a like um basically you could put a nut and bolt type of idea on there, or you know yeah, well that's do with metal rings like if you got them on eBay like a pack of metal rings in different sizes yeah and I find them useful yeah but if you wanted one that like fat you know like fanned out yeah type of idea oh, where yeah, you could yeah, just twist, yeah, twist idea, them yeah. out you could you could use uh, if you've ever done any fitting any furniture or cabinets where you need to get the two cabinets fitting together. You get like a, a sleeve uh, bolt and, and nut That's and it, they, yeah. they screw into each other cabinet connectors. You could do a similar thing with a wadge of um, index cards. I, I don't know. I've never done it, but yeah, I, I mean, don't know how useful it'd be, but I've seen stuff like that. And the other thing I like is you can get laminated index cards now. So yeah, those are quite handy if you want to 
You're wipeable yeah, with yeah. your dry erase marker. I mean, like I said, what I tend to do is, because um, I use these a lot for like when we're doing games on demand at like, UK Games Expo, because they're, they're very short games. They're like two and a half hours. So, you know, you only really have time for like a few encounters and maybe a little bit of a setup mm. and whatever. So for me, like, you know, four or five index cards, I can be like, right, boom, that, that, that's my plot for one of the games I've got. And as I say, I, I literally just went online and I ordered a pack of like multicolored like bulldog clips and I just like clip them all together in the different adventures, shove them in my bag. They're, they're pretty small, most index cards. I mean, you get them in various mm. sizes, but most are sort of pretty small. So they're very portable, very easy to carry. And obviously, I'm, as you guys know, I'm a big fan of the sort of technological way of like recording notes, you know, Obsidian notes and um, tiddly wikis and stuff like that. But if you just want something that's very simple, very quick to do, and you can have it hand. So I, I run most of my games online, so I'm in this room. I've got like the window sill just here. I've got a big pack of index cards and some highlighters. Yeah, nice. I've got some pens and a pack of index cards just on the windowsill there if during my game someone does something i'm like right i need to remember that i can just go grab a note quickly write it on a pen put it there clip them all together after the game boom i'm done it's nice and simple i don't have to mess around with anything and disrupt the flow of and my game i was gonna say the other handy thing is uh, if you if you use them like one for a monster stats you know one a monster stat per card you can keep reusing them yeah. and if you have yeah. a scene that the characters don't go to instead of you know rewriting it again you've got that index card just put it in your next pile for when you're going to use it again so that's that i was going to say the fact that they they remind me of like if you work with google slides and you put google slide presentations together they're very similar in they, they they've got a similar format and the fact that you reorder them and reuse yeah. them and you take them from here and you take them to there they they, they really remind me of having slide decks or card decks mm. and you can also like you if you if you're doing self-contained cards you can use them as a like a randomizer so if you've got a few rooms you know you you pick a deck that you think goes together well you kind of shuffle it and use it as a randomizer and uh, while you're bringing up index cards i always think and i i got caught up once and now um, i always do this i always bring enough uh, writing materials for the whole table so it's usually pencils and rubbers bring yeah. them because you can guarantee uh, the your players some might remember them. We guarantee a lot of them are going to forget simple things like a pencil on a razor. So that's something that always has got to be in there. Another useful thing as well is, I mean, obviously it depends on what sort of game you're running. But if you're running a fairly simple game like uh, some version of D&D or something like that, a lot of games you can pretty much fit a character sheet yep. on the two sides of an index card. So yep. for me, like if let's say I'm running a game at Games On Demand, I've normally got some printed out sheets. But if... I get an extra few players turning up and I've not got enough pre-gens for that or something like that. It's very easy to quickly, depending on what system you're doing, quickly grab an index card or three, make a quick pre-gen character, roll some stats or whatever, write it on the index card and you're like, boom, there's your character. We're good to go. It's only taking you a few minutes. You've not had to mess around unduly with stuff. And it's just all in a very nice, convenient package. Yeah. yeah. And if you're yeah, a good artist... You know, make your X card look. Make I was going to say card. your X card, but if you're a good artist, you like with the old sharpie, like you know, hankering for a nail, you know, yeah. a quick uh, diagram, and you can lob that on the table. I mean, I'm I'm a crap at drawing, but even so, just a little quick sketch or something, lob it on the table, and it gives the uh, players uh, something to hook onto, doesn't it? 
yeah, and I'm, to, to be honest, I'm I'm surprised someone's not made a game based around the idea of them. Yeah, but I don't know what you I call that. Like, yeah, 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 so like, like a... an index card RPG. And obviously, you want that that would probably go well. Obviously, <laughs> we're jesting there for anyone who has been like living under a rock and they're not aware of the the ICRPG by Hankering Infernal. So the the next go thing we're gonna, I'm going to go I'm going to go on to is polyhedral dice and oh, yeah. you, and you want enough dice especially if you're running a game a game for other people in person you need enough dice so that you can share them around there's nothing worse than you have one d20 and everybody around the tables oh throw me that dice throw me that dice i tend to have my own dice as a gm which i don't give to anyone and then i have a bucket in the middle with a lot of dice in usually color code them so that's yeah, somebody yeah. says, oh, I need a D8. Oh, yeah, D8 are the green ones. D6, yeah, they're the blue ones. So they can grab them out. Um, people seem to struggle with D8s and D10s, I find. Uh, must be the shape. So, yeah, dice is uh, a big one for me. Yeah, I mean, oh, that... you mean colour code them by type? Yes, yes. So all, all, all my uh, D6s are green, my D8s are blue, my D10s ah. are red, D12s are yellow. So you can just say to them, oh, oh what am I rolling? Yeah, you're going for the yellow one. Oh, that, that's that's proper old school. That reminds me of the um, like, like my sort of first D and D like games uh, where you used to get like the different colour dice and all the different yeah. types were colours. Yeah, I love that. I mean, mine. I, like I tend to get sets. You know, you tend to get like a big set that's all like colour coded mm -hmm. in one colour. But I've um, I, I can't remember why. Like Hannah, like, ages ago, bought like a load of like little sort of like the like, little Hessian bags, and yeah. I've basically just got each set I get. I, I just put them in one of them bags and just like put a little label on it, like a red, red set, green set, whatever. And then when I get, I just chuck a handful of those in my uh, rucksack when I go to like a, a convention or whatever. And when you get there, you can just be like, right, boom, in them bags, there's eight sets of dice. Grab one of them bags, you've got a full set of dice, go for your life. So you said, there's yeah, always the, someone the, who needs them. Yeah, the other thing I like to do is, as GM, because I was rolled in the open, I don't believe in GM screens, this is a personal preference, so I like to have an oversized D20, so that when I roll it, everybody around the table can glance across, that's it, just like John's holding now, yeah, if you listen it. to an anchor podcast, this means My one's bigger. to you. My one's bigger than John's. Ooh! Uh, hey, look, look, I keep telling my wife, Colin, it's not the size that counts. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a bit soft. <laughs> oh, is it one of them spongy ones? Yeah, I used to yeah, offer those big spongy ones. Big, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, the good so thing is, just you can like throw it at your players. Just, yeah, you can just launch it across the room and it bounces around. It's actually in my DM kit because I just love it. It's one of the things I use all the time. I use it every week, my big D20, hmm. even when I'm a player. Because when I'm a player, uh, if we were using an initiative system, I have my big dice to sometimes for the crack, I'll throw it across the room yeah, and yeah. find out what my initiative is. But yeah. quite often, I just use it to like so the DM can see what my initiative role was. You know, I just have it set with with the result on the top, like a display, basically mm. in display mode. Uh, uh, but my dice, I tear my dice. I got these red, oh. kind of like red gem dice out of the uh, D and D Essentials box. Mm. And what I liked about it, it came with uh, it came with four D six, which I thought was cool. Yeah, what yeah. else did it have? It, it had the percentile and, and a standard D10, but it had the 4D6. I thought that was smart. But what really pleases me, I've got a set of these pretty cheap kind of like wireless ear pods, you know, the sort of 10 or 12 quid touch off of, uh, you know, one of your online retailers. And it comes in a like a little round zip-up thing. 
Mm. And all the dice just fit in there perfect. And then I, I zip it shut and it's color quite, it's like black and red and the red dice in there. And it's all very neat and tidy. It just goes in the bag, job done. So, but the reason I mention it is because it reminds me, like Pete, you're talking quite a bit there about a convention leaning and running a game. And I suppose you've got different types of, you kind of got a different types of GMs, haven't you? You've got kind of got the, the home group running the home group GM, then you kind of got convention play, and then you maybe like got the club GM. Yeah. They're, they're sort of like three different kits almost there. Mm. I was going to say, just to um, butt in before we carry on talking about dice, just to say that we've got um, the man, the legend himself, Goblin's Henchman, in the the chat room at the minute, watching along. Thank you very much, Goblin's Henchman. Greatly appreciate it. Hey, hey but, let's see it. Oh, yeah, quick, whilst he's on, he yep. may get he may get a little bit of a sneaky mention later on. Oh, face value, yeah. Oh, yeah I've, I've already done a review of it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. it's a good oh. book, man. It's a good book. Three backers here. Um, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll this... come back to that. We'll come back yeah. to that. We'll circle back around. The other thing I was going to say with Dice, um, uh, which always creases me, you get that one player that he's rolling, he's, he's got his own set of dice, and he's rolling and he's missing with everything. He's not getting anything. And then it's the old, oh, give me another dice set. Yeah, These ones yeah. are rubbish. It's like, yeah, it, it makes a difference, but... Was it to, uh, we, all have it. we all have our favourite dice set or the, or the dice set that they had a bad session with. I ain't taking them again. I was going to come <laughs> back to the um, to the idea of like the giant dice. Uh, mm-hmm. What I tend to do in mine is that I don't I don't use it very often because I've got like, my own set of like just normal dice that I roll. Mm-hmm. But I do like having like the obviously when, more when we're playing D and D. But I do like having like the big D twenty in the table because it's, it's just like have it sat in the middle. And there's something about when you like you get to that like crucial roll. Or when you're like, oh, this guy's got to make this one roll to like, to like, save the party or to like beat the mm-hmm. the big bad guy or something. There's just something massively satisfying about picking yeah. up a massive dice and rolling it, and then you get everyone sort of like crowding around because, like you say, they can all see the bigger dice, and everyone's sort of hanging on that one roll, and it just adds like a nice sort of feeling of excitement and sort of extra enjoyment to the game. So that's that's why I tend to use like the big D twenty four. I'd have it sat in the center of the table. And then if someone's doing like a really crucial roll, I'll be like, "Oh, do you want to roll it with the, with the big dice?" The big dice. The big and dice, like, yeah. obviously, we we know that it makes no difference, but it just feels like more suitably like climactic if you like pick up a big like fist-sized dice and roll it. Well, you're bringing the drama. Yeah. You're bringing the drama for that stand-up die roll. And it's like and the, the and big the, one. Now we mentioned that index card RPG. You know, having a big dice for the time of dice and yeah. turning it every turn, watching it count down. It does add tension to the game seeing yeah. that number click down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've uh, got to, I've got to say, I mean, uh, the risk of a brief tangent. Although I, I'm run most of my games online, uh, and I love the online gaming. I've no complaints about that. I, I probably, in most cases, prefer to run games online. But one of the things that doesn't really port over as well, I feel, is that whole thing about having the big dice or having the big timer dice that you click over. That's one of the things I absolutely love about a face-to-face game. It's mm. it's that sort of tangible element. You know, you reach out and you're grabbing the dice or you're, you're flipping the timer over and people are like, oh, what, what number are we on now? Oh, we've only got two rounds before. Like that that thing bursts out the sand or whatever. And you, you can sort of replicate it online, but for me, it doesn't feel as like immediate and as exciting as it doesn't have. Person person, but isn't yeah. it funny though that you do online gaming and the dice rolling is procedurally generated uh, using a randomizer, but people still like the 3D dice on the screen, don't they? Even though they know it, it's not actually 
the dice roller isn't going to work because of the of the mechanics of that. It's just having something visual on there to watch it flip over and oh bugger, nearly got a critical. Oh, no, you yeah, I mean, and it's and the audio. There's audio with it as well, isn't yes, there? It's that tumble. That yeah. yeah. I, I think I think as well. I mean, obviously, I think part of that's nostalgia, but I also think as well, like, and don't get me wrong. Obviously, you know, I, I love RPGs. I mean, the evidence is behind me, but. Um, I think so much of like RPGs happens in like our imagination, where you know your your imagination's putting in all the work, you're not really seeing anything. That's why like just having like the odd like visual element in can make such a difference. Mm. Like whether it's just give, giving someone like a prop map or like holding up a picture yeah. and going like, oh, this is what the spooky woods looks like. Well, like you say, mm. just just picking up a big dice or turning over a counter dice that just gives you something more to look at. So like your your imagination's which is very important to RPGs, but it's not having to do a hundred percent of the work. You've got like a bit of mm. a bit of extra stimulus to sort of like refresh yeah. your imagination, so to speak. Yeah. Okay, uh, Colin, over to you. you I can... was just yeah, I was just going to say. I think sometimes people talk about online play being a little bit more tiring, and I wonder if that's sometimes because you, you you're not spreading the load out across so many of your senses. I sometimes wonder if it's a little bit too intensive on your eyes or a little bit th- more intensive. I think, on to be your honest, ears. I would agree with you, Colin. I think it is a bit. I mean, I certainly know when I, cause I'm playing in um, a Stars Without Number game that Johannes has just started running. And I know that when when I'm playing in an online game, I, I'm like a voracious note taker because my memory's rubbish. So I've normally got like a notepad window open and I'll have myself on mute and like, anything important that crops up, I'll be like typing it in my notes so I can like remember it, you know. But um, you spend that much time like concentrating. You're trying to imagine things. You're trying to, I'm trying to do notes as well. You're trying to keep track of everything that's going on and like, do a lot of multitasking because obviously you're you're thinking of what your next moves are going to be. You're sort of like, you're imagining the scene that's going on, all that stuff. And it is fairly sort of mentally taxing. I mean, I know at the end I've played mm. a few like longer run games where you like you finish late at night and you finish at the end of it and you're like you've had a good time, but you're like. Oh, yeah. Cream cracker now. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Right, so, so, Colin, what would you have in your jam kit? Well, linking in with a couple of threads that we, we've talked about, some more cards. So this time, moving on from uh, index cards, regular playing deck of cards, uh, playing cards, there we go. And um, also tying in, also tying in with somebody we mentioned, yeah, these have been written on. You can see probably just about make out some writing on there. So I've adapted this playing deck. Oh, Hank from of ICRPG fame, Runehammer. He's got a thing called a Think Deck. So I'm experimenting with that. And it's a modified set of cards where the suits are significant. And you you could you don't need to modify them, but he he he's assigned the cards meaning. And you use them in the manner of a kind of a little bit of it's a little bit of divination and um, inspiration to kind of kickstart your brain into coming up with um, a, a bit like story whatever. dice then a bit like story yeah. dice. Yeah. Yeah. There was um, another famous set of cards. Um, was it, I think it might've been Brian Eno back in the day, mm. um, music producer and musician of in his own right. And um, he came up with a, a deck of kind of like cards, and I can't think what they're called. I'm pretty sure it's Brian Eno, and it was a collaboration with someone else. Well, um, I say I know they used to have um, back in the day. They used to have the old, um, oh, was it called Amber? 
that it was an RPG that was based on cards, and each of them had like, a diceless game. Yeah, yeah and like mm-hmm. a sort of like tarot-like image, and then it had like one meaning written on the top and one meaning written at the bottom. So depending on how you shuffle them and you sort of mix them all. Oblique strategies is what you're looking for for braining them. Ah, that's it. Yeah. Oblique strategies. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just a black and white deck of cards with yeah. various words, and I think that the originals are pretty collectible. But yeah. I never looked at I never looked at Amber Dice List. I, I don't know too much about it. But interestingly enough, this this same idea um, works the same. So if you draw an inverted card, it kind of you kind of use it to mean the opposite. So you flip it. Um, and I haven't I haven't put it to much use as a think deck. But I think play just a set of playing cards for all your gaming requirements can do some of the similar things to index cards use them for sort of like prototyping little ideas bit of a randomizer various games have got a deck of playing cards in place of dice um infinite possibilities well yeah so. you can use them as as you say you can use them as randomizers kind of you can use yeah. them for initiative like savage yeah. worlds famously uses them for um for their chase rules i mean yeah it's, you can draw against each other, draw against, you know, like feeling yep. lucky punk kind of thing and just cut the deck or get someone to draw and then you draw against them. And I've, I've, I've also played in a, a Wild West game when we were sitting at the poker table and the GM got out a pack of cards and said, go then, play the hand. And we actually played the hand at yeah, the table. Yeah, actually played it, yeah. So, um, so that, yeah, that's that's my pick there, the, uh, the, uh, the deck of playing cards. Yeah, I mean, I think I I agree. I mean, I've I've only recently just started to to use cards, and that was based on a a couple of books that I got on Kickstarter that were based around like making maps and zone maps and point crawls and stuff like that using cards, which I so I know we've talked about previously, and I sort of did a few videos on that. I'd always been like, I suppose a, a little bit sort of scathing of a uh, of cards before because. Right. I, I, t- I tended to see like in a few games that I've played in that use cards they were basically just using them as like random number generators and I was like I don't see any reason to use a, a card deck than a set of dice which I've already yeah, got yeah. loads of whereas I think if you're like these maps I'm talking about they like the, the think deck you're talking about uh, they use the mm-hmm. suits for different things the picture faces for different things I think if you're if it's giving something that you can't just get off a set of dice, then I think that's mm. when like cards really come into their own. So it seems weird that you've got suits, you've got numbers, you've got face cards, you've got joker cards. It seems yeah. odd to use cards but not take advantage of any of that extra stuff you've got access mm-hmm. to. Exactly. And you've got the binary just black and red as well. Yeah, mm. of course. So it's yeah. like flipping a coin. Uh, yep. And it doesn't take up much room in your GM kit. No, nope. and they're very they're really cheap. You can get the you can get the nice like these Waddington's number one. Uh they've got a linen finish. I think they're good and you can, and, you can get like fifteen decks nice, for about a ten. You get some nice theme rolls now. So if you're playing a fantasy game, you can have you know like nice fantasy themes on the back, uh weird West sci fi, so you can actually theme them as well for your game. Yep. Okay. It, it, it was an amber dice list that I was thinking of earlier, but I can't remember what the name of the game is. All right. um, came, came in like a big box set. I've got a couple of boxes. Oh, I think I know. Somewhere. Was that the one Jonathan tweet? It might be. I can't remember. Mm. Anyway, it'll come so, to us probably in about an hour's time. It'll come to us and want us to blurt out. 
I reckon it's, have you got one queued up there, Pete? Right. So the next one I was uh, going to bring up is maps. Um, now, with uh, traveling around, um, if you're at home um, playing with your group, then maps isn't a problem. But if you're traveling to a game store or uh, to your club, then taking uh, maps can be problematic. So the ones that uh, my go-to at the moment are the uh, it used to be the Pathfinder flip mats because you can get just blank ones, but you can also get them with uh, like a, a city on or a forest or whatever. Um, so you can draw on them. Uh, they fold up nice and, and neat um, and they're sturdy. But what I've switched to more recently, well, I say more recently, the last couple of years, is the low-key battle mats. Uh, they do uh, uh, books, um, one set's a dungeon, and the two books spiral bound so they lay flat. Um, you use two sets of the books and they're interchangeable so you can change the maps up again they like the flip maps that they um, you can draw on them so um, if I want a quick map I can if I haven't got something uh, you know, sometimes you'll have a, a tavern where they can just put the tavern straight down but if it's something a bit unusual you can just draw straight on it and uh, even if you're not using grid movement just by drawing on it uh, gives um, players an idea of what the room looks like um, so that, that's uh, something I always like to have even if I'm using theatre of the mind, sometimes I just want to whop a map out just to sketch out. Yeah. So, Pete, are they are they the one that come with like a reusable sheet of stickers or a couple of they sheets do, yeah, of stickers? Yeah. I think uh, I think my brother's got them. They're yeah, really they good. Do, um, we, they we've been using the, um, them recently. Yeah, there's they, a dungeon one, a set, there's a wilderness set, a generic set. They do sci-fi, um, cyberpunk. So there's loads of them out there, and. Because they're all the same grid size, they're interchangeable as well. So you can put one with the other, and even do like a, a mini book. So if you want to have a, like a short bridge, so. But uh, I just take a, a Tesco carrier bag with some of them in it, um, and uh, if I don't use them, I don't use them. But they're there if I need them. I was going to say just briefly to uh, to jump back to the previous point. Uh, Goblin's henchman in the chat has said that Uno cards have a lot of potential for yep. stuff like this. Now I've got to confess because I'm not I'm not a big board gamer. I don't really know much about Uno at all, so uh, I'm assuming Colin, you've pro Colin and Pete, you've probably played Uno. Yes. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So as a game in its own right, sorry if you're a big fan of Uno. Um, that has that wore thin with me years ago because it can either be a really short game or it can just mm. go on and on and on and on. But graphically, especially original Uno, because it, like like um like has Hasbro and these larger companies or want to do, you get every variety of IP slapped all over the original game. If you can just get like um OG Uno graphically, it's really quite nice. It's really simple. Got yeah. four it's got four colours and some special cards. And Goblin's henchman actually phoned in at least once about Uno cards to to spike pit. Uh, my podcast, and he talked about using them in a Star Trek game, mm. right? Super cool because Uno cards are green, red, blue, and yellow. I don't really need to explain that if you're a Star Trek fan, but that is super cool. Um, and they look, they, they the original ones do look a little bit spacey, and a they got almost, you could almost see them playing the game in Star Trek, you know? So, yeah. So loads of use you, you heard it here first anyone who was listening 
when the when the conversation thread online eventually pops up, what is the Uno SR? You'll know who to blame. It's Goblin's henchman. It, it's all his fault. <laughs> but um, I, I've just had a quick look online while you were talking at um, some images of like Uno cards, and am I right in that they're just basically like coloured cards with like big numbers on them? No, yeah, not 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 to, uh, not to nine. You got like, some special cards as well. Yeah, yeah you well, put. I was going to say Skip I can see what you um, yeah. I can see what you were saying. Looking at like the the bright colours on the sort of original ones, mm. how you know if you can theme that in mm. to like your game and maybe have an extra effect. Again, it, f- for me, yeah. cards only really seem worth using when they add an extra element. Because if if I just want a number, I can just pick up the big old dice and roll it. Whereas, mm-hmm. like I say, if if you go for cards, you've got your suits. Even with Uno, where it's like numbers and colours, you've got the extra cards as you were saying. You've got mm. the colours. You've got the numbers. So. It just seems a bit odd to like use that and not take advantage of it in some way. Mm. Mm. Definitely, definitely. Well, Have yeah. you got one you want to throw into the mix there, John? Like a, a different thing? Or let me think. Uh, I think most of mine are sort of based around based around me being a bit of a stationary hog, to be honest. So because uh, <laughs> I, I do love my stationary, I love my like notebooks and stuff like that. Even though I I, I love my technological stuff. Highlighter well. pens. Yeah, I was gonna say if I if I just reach out my arm to this distance, I've got two two packs of highlighter pens sat there on my uh, sat there on my window. But um, I was gonna say probably one of the most obvious but often overlooked things for uh, a GM kit, if you're going for like a slightly more manual or portable GM kit, is this like a pen you like writing with? Mm-hmm. Because Unless you type in, and I and I love typing. I'm far better at typing than I'm at actually handwriting. But if I want to write some quick notes down, I want a pen that I'm going to be comfortable with writing with. I want one that's not going to be smudging ink everywhere. I've not got to wait like six hours for the ink to dry. One that I can just quickly write off my notes, and I'm good to go. And obviously that's entirely down to to personal preference. But I think it's something that gets overlooked quite a lot. You know, you just tend to grab like a pack of cheap biros or whatever, don't you? And that's fine. You know, that's all good. But you know, if you can find a, I mean, I like these. Don't uh, do that, folks. Don't do that, kids. Don't grab them cheap biros. Yeah, yeah. I, I like. Don't these, do um, that at home, kids. I, I, I <laughs> like the, no, no, don't do it at <laughs> the home. The opinions of the opinions of John are not necessarily reflected by all the. Yeah, uh, they, 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 def- they definitely shouldn't be used on your homework, kids. But um, I like these like rollable pens just because they, or the ink takes a few seconds to dry, but. You know, I just find them nice when I'm writing with them. You know, you're not going to get that cramp in your hand because you're, like, trying to squeeze the last drops of ink out of some, like, crappy biro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that just works really well for me. But, it, again, it's you personal a, preference, whatever you're comfortable with. Are you a pen snob, Pete, before I get onto pens? No, but um, I, I like pencils uh, only because it can rub out and uh, uh, correct mistakes. Uh, I don't tend to uh, write in pens on on game nights, but if I'm doing notes at home, then I'm more likely to use a pen than, than a pencil in a, writing in a journal or something. Uh, but uh, no, I, we've got a house probably with about 2,000 pens. Every time I go somewhere, there's a free pen. Oh, we'll have that. And uh, yeah, no, yeah. Was, pens that, everywhere. Was, that a, was that a Stadler Norris you was brandishing that pencil? Oh, here we go. Was that a Stadler Norris? I, Check it. I only Pete, use was a, it a quill. <laughs> That was a Stadler Norris pencil you had there. I'm convinced of it. You should show me your age there a bit, Pete, if you only use a quote. It's a, a Stadler pencils and HP pencils, yeah. 
I like a Stadler. Um, yeah, so I like the propelling pencil. So there's a Pentel Pro, uh, P series, Pentel P series that I've used since I was about 15. And they come in 0. 0.5, 0. 0.7, 0. 0.9, and I'm forgetting one. Oh, 0. 0.3. I thought you were so going to do the old, um, the old Only Fools and Horses joke there. I've been using the same <laughs> pencil <laughs> since it's it 15. It's had 16 new lads and uh, 15 new. <laughs> <laughs> no, they come in, so they come in four they come in four like line weights mm. to do with your your technical drawing but i love them and my favorite is a 0.7 which is the blue one but in addition to that so they're quite handy because like when i'm in school and i'm talking about drawing tools and that you can also sort of talk about design icons as well so you can just like pull out yeah. so this is a design icon and just talk about something that so everybody you don't have to go out and spend a fortune to get yourself a little design icon and i can say you know it's everyday stuff too mm-hmm. and i'll i'll probably mention the big biro yeah. as well yeah. but i like a parker jotter the parker jotter the classic parker jotter they, they're just so reliable real nice and they've been around for years i think the design was the 50s um, it's been a while since I talked about them, but another just iconic pen and nothing, you know, like nothing, especially in terms of money. I think they retail for around a tenner, but if you just look after it, it is, it's a pen for life. You could get them in a stainless steel. So eco in days of eco, you forget, forget you can get your refills. So you're not throwing away little bits of plastic and John, all of that. Are we, so, are we, are we yeah. sponsored on this video now? Are we? Aha! <laughs> we, we, we should be after this video, but unfortunately not. Although, if if any like pen manufacturers want to send us some free pens, like, hit us up. That's, that's all good. But uh, I was going to say, if, um, sorry, Colin, go ahead. Oh no, I was just going to just say, if I go for a plastic pen, how about you know the big pen with the four colours? Yeah, you man. can slide in. Oh, so you yeah. That is a classic. Your blue, your red, and your green. Mm. They're every they're everywhere, and super handy if you just want to mix up the colours to help get your message yeah. across yeah. and uh, delineate what's going on on a page or like on a uh, on your index card or in your journal just mm-hmm. change up the emphasis a little bit they're super handy i was going to say since i seem to have like fallen into the role of like the advocates of like crappy biros and stuff like that <laughs> uh, <laughs> w- w- one of one of, th- one of the things that the um one of the things that like with propelling pencils again is you can get a pack of like 10 cheap propelling pencils for like nothing and as we've talked about previously, you know, we're saying you, you take extra sets of dice to like convention games and, or games and stuff like that. Because someone's always forgot a dice. There's always someone who's not got a pencil. So like, if I go to a convention or an in-person game, I've always got like a pack of like cheap ten propelling pencils because someone's bound to break one or it's going to get lost yep. or whatever like that. But if if you can just turn up and you've got a little pack of pencils there and someone's like, oh, oh, I'm bought a, I'm bought a pencil with me, you can just yep. be like, right, just, just take one of those. There you go, yeah. and they like say it's obviously it's not the most like eco-friendly solution, but it's probably cost you pennies. And if that person mm-hmm. breaks it or forgets to give it back, it's not like oh, it's it's some expensive like propelling pencil I bought. It's just like something that quickly gets the job done, and it means you've not got to root around for or wait for the person to like check the bottom of their bag to like see if they have forgot their pencil or whatever. You can just be like, there you go, use that, and you're done straight on with the game. And you get a little eraser on the end of the big ones, don't you? Yeah. Which yeah. is handy. So, like, RPGs, character sheet, just, just, that's enough just to do your hit points or whatever. Scrub out and put it back in. They're Indeed. good. They're good. And I've seen loads of GMs do that. They have that because mm. they, they've got their pencil case, got a pencil case, another little essential con item. 
yep. with uh, yeah, there, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Enough pencils, propelling pencils for all your players. And see, see, I'm, I'm, I'm and, poor, Carl, and I just have mine in a plastic bag. So, right, uh, yeah. Shall I, shall, shall, shall I go for a controversial one now? Oh, go on then. Go on then. Let, let, me, then. let me phrase oh, myself. Go on up. Okay, so I'm going to say... <laughs> we'll be miniatures. down to two members in a minute. I'm going to say miniatures, but uh, but I'm going to give you some options now. So as a GM, uh, I like minis. However, I don't take um, metal minis with me. If players want to bring their own characters, that's fine. Uh, my preferred... I, I got two um, things that I do. Uh, the first one is meeples from board games, mm. the little colored meeples, wooden ones. So you can chuck them around. But if you want um, to put a visual on the on the map, you can put different colored meeples out. So the, the red ones are goblins, the green ones are orcs or whatever. So that's uh, I've, I've found really handy. Uh, but my preferred method of miniature tokens is paper minis. Yeah, uh, you can get them online uh, relatively cheap for if you subscribe to like a paper forge uh, minis or printable heroes for three dollars uh, a month. You can subscribe, you can join for a couple of months, download, shed loads of paper minis, print them at home. Um, they come in PDFs now, and you can actually just cut them out and buy little stands for them. They they pack up really small. I have them in um, like trading card uh, folders, so they pack up small. Uh, if they get uh, damaged. Doesn't matter. Prints off some more. Um, so yeah, paper minis, and of course they're extremely light as well. Yeah, I was gonna say I remember sort of back in the back in the three point zero three point five days of D and D, there were I think it was like Fiery Dragon Productions or something. There were, there were like a few companies who used to produce mm. like packs of like punch out sort of card minis mm. you can get. But like you say now, I mean I'm although I mostly do my stuff online, I'm subscribed to Paper Forge. Because they do the little stand-up minis that you can print out, yep, yep. but they also do the little tokens, like sort of little round tokens you can use on VTTs. Yep. But again, I was—I forget what it was. It might have been, um, it might be Glenn Halstrom or somebody was um, talking about printing out the little round minis and then like basically like blue tacking them to like drafts pieces or sort of like game pieces. Well, I tell you, another good one is. Uh, you can get plastic coin holders, which are about an inch in circle. And yeah. they're basically, they're, they're transparent and they come apart in two halves and they're designed for putting coins in. Well, if you have a, a one-inch paper um, cut, you can cut out the VTT tokens or I've used um, Magic the Gathering cards with a one-inch hole punch, punch out the circle and put it straight into the little plastic um, coin holder and then you can throw it on the table. You can write on it for hit points. You can write the number on them uh, and you get... A little box for about seven quid with a hundred of them in so, so you can have a hundred tokens with you and if you need to chase them up you can just unscrew them and put a new paper mini inside so really, those are a good little uh, tip for you i think you can get like little plastic discs as well like clear uh, clear acrylic or something like that yeah, there's just, um, like, there's like dome on. ones which are yeah, there's dome ones the, yeah. the resin ones they're for like um people that collect bottle tops for um, Coke cans and that's uh, Coke bottles. Yeah, so I've it. used them as well. Punch them out, put them on the top. So that's another option as well for, you can make minis really, really cheaply if you, mm. if, if you want to, you don't have to spend hours painting. Just say, if you go to uh, your local gaming club, you often find that there's the cheap magic cards. People just leave them in the pile there. Well, I used to go through them, go through some All the commons. The ones. Yeah. The commons go through them, find you know, one I like and just punch it out using friend PCs and all sorts. Yeah, that's really good. You know, if you get the like paper minis that are a black and white line art, yeah, a good little thing there is if you're like playing with youngsters, 
it's a good little side activity just to kind of color in your own character as well so just to just add in a little bit of a craft type element that hooks yep. in maybe some different types of other people perhaps yep. maybe they're a little bit more shy and retiring and while somebody's taking their turn they can just sit there and like coloring their character or whatever yeah, i mean i remember really? sort of um when i was doing more sort of in-person games sort of back in the day when like i said a lot of these a lot of companies were doing these like punch out tokens i just have one of the like the flat sort of tins that you know you get pencils in and yeah. i just used to oh, put yeah. all my tokens in there and i just got like, a little flat pencil case mm. that i could just slip in the side pocket of my bag i've got all my minis in there and like you say, especially nowadays when you can print more, as you were saying, Pete, if you're yeah. doing a session and you're like, oh, I need 25 like orc warriors for this like mm. this horde that's going to be attacking them, you're not suddenly like, oh, I've got to, I've got to buy 25 like miniatures, which can be quite expensive depending on the range. Yeah. You can just be like, right, okay, yeah, I'm just going to print out a sheet of these like, little round like orc things, attach yep. them to whatever token you want, or just print them on card, cut them out. And you're good to go, and they pack down yeah. far easier, and they're far less fragile and easily transportable than like a big ruck of minis. Because how easy is it if you're yeah. so you do a bit of war gaming back in the day? How easy is it for you to yeah. break a load of minis if you're trying to transport them? Yeah, yeah. And the other thing, if you go to the game icons website, they do um, symbols, little icons. And uh, I've seen, I think it's Sly Froch has done it on one of his videos where they've got like a skull. Uh, you might have like an axe, so you can like just print out an axe with a, uh, a round circle. So that represents a fighter. You can have a sword, uh, a, a bow as an archer. So you can have them sort of uh, abstract. Generic, yeah. You know, generic, so you could use them in any game and say, right, the, the, all the ones with bows, that um got uh, ranged weapons. All the ones with swords, the melee fighters. And just, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, to me, that's... Um... That's something that's been done very successful in the, the sort of virtual arena with um, Owlbear Rodeo with the default right, tokens yeah. you get in that where it's all like little symbols. Yeah. And yeah, that's it. Don't get me wrong, all these different tokens you can get that like look like what they're supposed to be are great. But if you just want to do something simple and you can go, yeah. all right, okay, all these monster faces I'm throwing down are orcs. All these yeah, swords I'm throwing down are like the heavily armoured like Chaos Warriors or whatever. Yeah. Great stuff. Like well, saying. Yeah, if you go to game icons uh, on a website, they have them all at the Creative Commons. You can download them all to your heart's content, all PNGs, print them out, and uh, print as many as you want out. Yeah, and I've just posted the um, the links to the the Paperforge Patreon and the game icons website in the chat, so anyone watching this either now or afterwards will be able to see that on the stream. The other thing I like about those generic icons, you know, like one of the things people say, you know, if the representation of your game area is a bit too literal, mm. sometimes they say like it kind of in interferes with their how they're pitching it in their imagination. You know, it sets the pace too, yeah. you know, it sets the scene too strongly. Well, if you've got that little level of abstraction, mm. it that sometimes steps away a little bit isn't is not so in your face and 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 kind of domineering and it allows you to still kind of keep keep yeah. your images in your mind going and I, I i just like the look of some of them things because they're so clear and from a distance you can yeah. still read it and and even the paper minis just the fact that they're paper and it kind of reminds you you're playing a game and sometimes you want to remember you're playing a game. You know, it's, it's yeah. a weird thing. I, yeah. I quite like well, it's, it. It's like we were saying earlier as well, is it's striking that balance between the props and the sort of visual or otherwise stimulus. Mm. But you still want 
a lot of it to be taking place in the imagination because that's where the game sort of really comes to life. And I think these, like I said, these icons, these slightly more abstract sort of tokens, mm. that's where they really shine because they sort of, they do a little bit of the lifting for you, you know, so like, mm. you know, roughly where everything's positioned, you know, they're like, oh yeah, these are orcs, these are goblins, this is this, but it's not telling you like this is what exactly the orcs look like. This is exactly yeah. what the goblins look like. You're still relying on the GM description, and mm. in most cases, your own imagination. And I was thinking, mm. right, I mean, we I've talked a bit about this when I've talked about like horror gaming and stuff like that. Whatever, if you sort of show a picture of something, for me, it's never as good as what the players have been describing in their imagination and we see this a lot in horror you know like if someone says like oh something was like indescribably horrific or whatever it's like oh that that's great but it's like when we see like someone tries to make like a lovecraft like film mm -hmm. it's you it's very easy to like write down and say oh something's indescribably horrific and you give some like descriptions and stuff mm. like that but keep it very vague and people will conjure up all sorts of nightmarish things that are horrible for them Whereas when you have to like physically depict it, whether it's in a mini or in a film or in a comic strip or whatever, you've sort of got to show it in yeah. more detail and sort of shining like the light of day on things like that. Just well, takes so a little the, bit of that mystery. The, the, the old horror films, wasn't it? it? It was the darkness and the shadows. Yeah. yeah. You, if they really saw the monster, and I was more terrified than actually seeing it because, uh, as I said, your mind working overtime for it. Yeah, I mean, like so I've, I've watched yeah. no end of horror films where like you, it's very suspenseful all the way through, and then like, when they get to the big reveal and you finally see the monster, you're like, oh, it's a guy in a oh. rubber suit. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> Jaws, another one like that. Yeah, and it's once you see that stuff as well, you can't forget it, can you? No. So if I say, if I just spell out Y O D A, mm. yeah, I'll give you a bit of time, guys, because I know you're maybe not that sharp. <laughs> one is trying to think one is. <laughs> so, what, so once you've seen Yoda, you don't forget it, do you? You, yeah. you, It just is instantly there. It's iconic. And if we'd have read the book about him, we would just probably have these wildly different ideas. Yeah. But now it's it's like you you lose your innocence for an idea or a book, don't yeah. you? Once it kind of it's put out there in a visual form. Well, it's, um, the, uh, it's the same thing about um, a similar sort of thing. You know, when you look at um, the the old sort of myths and legends where like a lot of D&D &D monsters and things like that were inspired mm. by them, when you sort of look back and obviously they were just being passed on by like people telling stories to each other, you've got yeah. all these weird and like crazy different creatures and like one story like an ogre's like this and the next story they're like something else and they're called something slightly different. And then we, we sort of lost that a bit because... Obviously, for game reasons, they had to be like codified a little bit. Mm -hmm. So for me, it always feels yeah. like keeping the description a little bit vague and letting the player character's imagination do the rest. It's sort of like taking back a little bit of that mystery that like we used to have. I mean, you look back at old mysteries and, and they're like, oh, and oh it's how many uh, times? And about how many times in the game have you used like the stat block for naught but described the creature in a completely different way? Oh, players yeah. have no idea. Have no idea what it is, uh, but you're just using the stats for naught, so. It's, it's what the you know, what they imagine is far worse than probably what they're actually facing, isn't it? Well, it's like that old sort of thing in um, a lot of OSR circles when they're talking about statting a monster and they're like, choose a bear stats, yeah. but describe it differently. And mm. as long as you describe it in a way where people can't be like, oh, it's a bear, yeah. people have no idea what it is and the stats are often of secondary importance. But Goblin's so, Henchman has just made a quickly uh, a very good point in the chat he said that 
images can also inspire people. And he said, um, like some of the images in the old D&D modules, but he says he, he does agree that like, imagination is a large part of it. But yeah, absolutely right, Goblin's Henchman. Like, a good image or a good prop, anything like that, as we said earlier on, that can really be a sort of spur, and that basically gets your imagination off to like a head start, gets you up and running, and then your imagination yeah. just runs with it and takes it the rest of the way. Well, that's, that's I mean, how I like it. And, and especially online, uh, if, even if you're playing Teacher of the Mind, you can sort of do a quick Google search, get a picture of Castle Ravenloft or uh, you know a spooky forest, and just throw that on the screen for your players and say, uh, this is what it's, it's like as you walk into the forest, and it sets the scene. In person, you can do it on your tablet or on your phone. Just do a quick search. That's the sort of thing that uh, that you're facing now. Or like a hobbit hole. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Just for some random reason, that pops into my mind, a hobbit I don't know hole. why that's come from now. Nope. So, so but that... locations, locations. Yeah. It's perfect. I love an image for a location because yeah. it's yeah. the old, a picture paints a thousand words. Yeah. It's up there. It saves you, well, a thousand words at least. So, on that cue, Colin, do you want to get the prop that you're holding and uh, our esteemed uh, watcher listener is? Oh yeah, visuals. Mm. It's almost like it's almost like he's guiding me from yes. afar. <laughs> well, I had it's it. Just an audio podcast. You to, you, ironically, you need to hold it near your face. Oh, there you that, go. There so go. I'm for the listeners. I am holding up a copy of Face Folio creation of goblin's henchman who has been calling in but this is not set up it's all coincidental and i'm just looking for the credits for the artist oh dang and i ain't got my glasses on so um can you can you recall gentlemen hold on oh art marcine s mm. marcine s and goblin's henchman this right is on trial because it's only just come out. He's re kickstarted it, and um, I got my copy quite recently. And what it is, so it's all these on the back, it's all it's oh, it's a portraits of all these characters, all these like they can be. So it's line art with kind of like pen and wash, and it's got name generators, and you've got all your, your typical fantasy. Um, bio forms or heritages or what are they called heritages days? or in old parlance uh races so now the reason the reason i wanted well, I, I got in on this when i heard about it was because this is like a hundred portraits is super useful you've got male female diff different races and Sometimes you just want to go, yeah, it's this person. Right. So we're we're playing uh, we're playing in Ravenloft at the moment. My, my brother was fortunate enough to win that um, uh, one of them Beadle and Grimm box sets that come with all the doohickeys, and it was like at the top tier. He won it in a draw and uh, prize draw, and it's like worth hundreds. It's worth hundreds of dollars, and it was shipped over by. Um, the Dungeon Muser, and you can check him on YouTube, raising money for charity. He did a, a charity raffle draw. Beatles and Grimm pitched in and uh, put in a raffle prize. A and you get, like, portraits. And quite often, our, our DM Ricky, he hangs them on the edge of his screen there at the beginning of the encounter. And I tell you, every time everybody pauses 
and looks and you always get a little bit of commentary and discussion around the appearance mm. and it makes it super it for me it makes it really memorable i'm always forgetting names in these games but in this campaign when i've seen the picture and everything it just gives me a little hook so my my hope is with these the, the images in here are, are super evocative um and I, I just think it gives you something to to tag, well, tag, like, tag the name on, something to kind of, yeah. you know, hang so a memory on. Like you, I've got the face for you. I think it's a, a great little product. And to, to tag onto that, if you've spoken to someone in in your workplace on the phone for years, you've never met them, you build up a picture of that person. Yeah. I guarantee when you actually meet that person in real life, you go, oh, that's like I expected them to be. Mm. It's funny. It's quite jarring, that, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. Mm. But yeah, I I agree with you. you know, uh, and sometimes you know you you can uh, I, I'll play tricks with my players. I'll get a, a portrait of a, a character that looks really shady, who's a good character, and then show that to them. And it's amazing just by the looking at that. Oh yeah, yeah I don't trust him. Oh, this one this one's a, a dodgy dude. And and they're inspirational as well because they're, yeah. they're kind of it's simple lineup, but it's it's clean and there's hmm. there's a lot of variety in the facial expressions, and you can just. You can like use it like I've explained to just show people. You can use it for inspiration to create a character for yourself, create an NPC. Uh, it's a li it's a little uh, springboard into lots of uh, lots of different things. So, a uh, perfect example of how images kind of can improve your experience. I think really, yeah, I'm really pleased with it. I'm glad I got it, and, and the production quality is really nice as well. It's, it's thought about durability. And yep. um, you know it's not gonna it's not gonna get soggy if you spill the occasional adult beverage on it. Um, so yeah, top yeah. marks. And just to let people know, I've um, posted a link to Goblin's Henchman's blog and to the the Twitter page for Marcin S, who did the the artwork for Facefolio, which I agree is excellent. Uh, in and the chat, I was, gonna, I was also going to say while you're on there, also check out um, the Hex Flower by Goblin's Henchman as well. That's a, I'm sure you two have seen it, but for those out there, it's like a, a, a procedural um, randomizer, uh, and you can use it so that when you're, say, for example, having weather, instead of having extremes of it's sunny one day, snowy the next day, you sort of move in a progression in a direction, so it makes it logical. So it's like a, a random generator with a memory, and there's some great little ideas on that for GM prep especially. So check that one out. Indeed, the link to that in the chat as well. Um, the, the sort of the last thing I was going to mention um, for my GM kit is uh, cheat sheet stroke uh, random tables. Um, now the my go-to, and I know Colin loves as well, is the old uh, maze rats um, tables. Uh, you got all D6 tables there for for kit, for weather, for all sorts of descriptions. Um, it's a great one to keep it in your uh, GM toolkit. So if somebody says, you know, uh, to takes me in the direction you're looking for. You can whop it open, roll a couple of D6, and you get some great ideas. Um, Colin's holding it up to the... Uh, Trying to, to, yeah. To now, but ah. you can check that out, Maze Rat. It is a little gold mine of uh, tables in there. Um, so that is always something I like to have. Uh, just for the odd time, I'm stuck. Oh, I'm looking for inspiration. And the other thing, I always like, to, whatever game I'm playing, I like to have a little A4, A5 cheat sheet. Just simple things to, to keep me on the track so that um, 
usually it's the the odd little rule that I forget. So um, it's just as a backup. If you don't use it, it doesn't matter. But if you keep it to A4, A5 size, instead of taking your book with you, keep it on the table. If you need to refer to it, it's there. If you don't use it, it takes up no space in your in your book anyway, in your bag. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think having a, a cheat sheet or a two is very useful. I certainly know for the, the, the Vampire 5th Edition game I've just started running. Uh, it had been a while since I'd read like the current edition of the rules. Didn't really have, just due to like, work and stuff like that, didn't really have the time to revise them as much as I would like before we did the first session. But I went online, did a quick search, you know, Vampire 5th Edition cheat sheet, and found a, a PDF one that was like it was like four landscape sides of a4 with all the charts on everything i just printed out a copy of that had it set next to me during the game and then if i needed to reference anything i just quickly looked through those four sheets rather than having to look through like the massive like rule book which was very handy Big on, a, on yep. a similar theme following on with that the the charts to hand something i didn't expect to use that much also out of the D D essentials box set was like their um super cheap and tacky dm screen thrown in the box here like it's as flimsy as you like and you think all oh, right that's not much of a dm mm. screen but i tell you what it's really light it's really cheap and i don't use it as a dm screen i just have it laid down flat as a set of tables and I, I use it all the time. I just use it all the time. It just sits there. Mm. It, it takes up no space. Whereas I've got what you'd say, you know, better quality production and, and more substantial screens that just don't don't see the use. They're there. They're put away. I've got a, like a really nice um, oh, uh, Forbidden Lands one. Mm. Forbidden Lands. You could kill a man with it. <laughs> um, but I'm not in the business of killing people and it just stays on the shelf and my tacky old D&D one just gets used all the time when I'm playing D&D, obviously. But, yeah, yeah. yeah but I think um, just to throw in another random one, again, I think something that's often, as well as like pens and that's often forgotten about is if you're running a game and you're putting your GM kit together, making sure i'm sure you've seen me like swigging out of this bottle like during it drinking a bit oh, yeah. of pop making sure you've got a drink with you because if you're the gm you spend an awful lot of a role play session talking and even if you're not shouting you're not being like overly dramatic just talking for like four hours when you've probably been talking for most of your day as well at work and whatnot you can get to the end of it if you've not had a drink your, th your throat's hurting you've got a sore throat you may be struggling to like keep the strength of your voice going just making sure i mean as well as that hydration being a good thing anyway just making mm. sure you've got whatever your choice of drink is to hand so you can like sip that during the game makes an awful lot of difference particularly if you're running a long session but again it's something that we often don't think about because we're we're thinking about you know i've got to get the books i've got to get the dice i've got to get this that, and the other mm -hmm. and we often forget things like pens and drinks and stuff like that and they can make an awful lot of difference just to your own comfort. And obviously, if you're more comfortable while you're running the game, you can focus entirely on the game. You're not distracted by like, oh, my throat, my throat's hurting. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm starting, starting to feel a bit tired and whatnot. Uh, and all of that can sort of detract from your enjoyment of the game. And if you're not enjoying it as a GM and you're not enjoying running it, that can tend to like bleed over onto the player character's enjoyment of it. 
the, the the last thing I want to mention about GM kits, and I think it's something that uh, most people overlook, is the bag you use to carry your stuff in. Because it's got to be, what I found is, you've got to find a bag that's comfortable to wear, because you could be looking at, if you look at it on a train or something like that, it's got to have enough zips and pockets to put things like your dice in, your cards in. Um, ideally, inside you want dividers so you can uh, keep, keep things split up. Um, and it's also, I found, the danger is if you have too big a bag, you put more stuff in there, the bag becomes heavier, and you carry stuff you don't want. So try and keep your bag. I like the messenger-style bag with like a fold of a flap at the top canvas with a, a zip on the top. Uh, it's got handles or a shoulder strap, and it's got pockets around the sides and the front. Um, so keep the bag smaller, and then there you're not tempted to put too much stuff in it, uh, and hence that you're not lugging I mean I've done it before when I'm carrying like two or three bags somewhere and you think this is ridiculous this this can't go on I've got to cut down and rationalize and sort of get that uh, kit uh, small enough so it's useful um, and you use everything in it because there's no point in taking stuff with you week in week out if you're never going to use the damn thing so it's uh, get yourself a good decent bag uh, and practice packing it and unpacking it because there's nothing worse when you finish your game session everybody buggers off you think where does all this go now? To try and get into a, a rhythm. So that even if you don't get it out of your bag and someone says, oh, I want those spell cards or whatever it is, you know where it is in your bag. Yeah, entirely agree. I mean, for myself, I've got an old um, army surplus like rucksack. I've had it since mm. I was 18. And like it's never needed repairing or anything like that. Cause it's like rucksack. It's old military surplus. It's like a hardwearing sort of canvas, like backpack. It's not massive. Oh, I know them. That's the... That's the uh... Was it West German or East German pattern rucksack? And it, That's it, it's yeah. got two pockets on the side. It's got the leather straps with yep. D-rings on the lid and a drawstring on the inside. Uh, yeah, I don't know where they come from, but they, they f- like flooded into this country. There's so many. Yeah, I mean, everybody's got them. You, you can pick them fairly cheaply. Yeah, they. I mean, I take mine like camping when we go like LARPing. I use it for like when I go to conventions, and it's got enough space in the central compartment for like if I'm going camping to like put a set of clothes in and whatever. Or to fit all my game stuff in, but not so much that I'm trying to cram everything in. And like you say, you've got That's a couple it. of side pockets where you're like, right, I'll put all my dice in that side pocket, I'll put all my pens in that side pocket, and I'll have my books in the centre of it. And it's a rucksack, so you can easily just throw it over your shoulder. It's easy to carry around. Mm-hmm. It's it's water resistant, so you haven't got really any worries about that. Uh, and that does me great. And like I say, I've, I've had it since I was 18, so I've well had my money's worth out of that. Mm. I, I had two of those at one stage. Uh, yeah, they, 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 they're like bomb, they're bomb proof. Uh, yeah. the, the only thing you've got to watch with them is if they're, if they're damp, they can go a bit mouldy and you yeah, kind of, yeah. yeah. But the, the rucksack I like is like, you know, um, quite often they're the Jan Sport. So it's like one main compartment and then with like quite a good size pocket on the front. So all your book type stuff, goes in the main compartment and all your shizzle pens and smaller bits uh go in that like pocket it's a classic kind of um i think the original design is probably american but with the jan sport and the kid the kids in america going to school i always seem in all them 80s films they always seem to have that same designer rucksack and then it got a bit more popular over here when i was in my teens i guess and it just seems the right size because it's like that book you know it's that a4 book size because it's you know, so for RPGs and 
you know, it's too small probably for like a war gamer, but for mm. RPGs, um, I, I find that really good. And they're normally pretty durable when you buy them. You know, they're like a Cordura, heavy Cordura with big old zips. Yeah. Oh, I'm just gonna uh, just gonna break in with a little bit of uh, breaking news, potentially an exclusive. Uh, Goblin's henchman, who seems to be like the unofficial sponsor of this episode, has said, <laughs> that he's, uh, said that he's actually considering at the moment making a set, a pack of cards with the the face folio portraits on them. So Ooh, you can yeah, have them as cards that you can give out, which I think would be I a like pretty it. cool thing. I've seen a, I've seen a few packs of cards with um, some NPC portraits on. I've got mm, for yeah. the old. Um, the old FFG, like Star Wars, they did a load of cards yeah. with like different monsters on and enemies and whatever, and I've got them. Mm-hmm. And they're very handy. My only slight issue with sort of decks of cards, which I don't think it's quite the issue now, because I think there's drive-through cards or something where you can get like effectively like printed yes. yeah. cards. I certainly know that like back in the day, if a if a publisher bought out a deck of cards, it was basically like, oh, if you if you didn't buy them within like a few weeks, they were then virtually impossible to get hold of. I mean, it took me Yeah. I mean, I got um, onto the... Um, yeah, yeah, print-on-demand now with drive-through cards is, is pretty good now. Yeah, I mean... Uh, it makes I, it easier for the publishers, because I know Runehammer yeah. uses them for his um, his index cards that he sets he sells. Like I say, with the um, with the FFG Star Wars ones, I've got, I got on that fairly late, and it took me a fair... Because I wasn't going to pay that ridiculous money for them, but it took me like a fair amount of time like scouting around to to actually find them and get the sort of set of them, because within like a few months of them coming out they were gone and like unless you're willing to pay silly money which i wasn't they were very difficult to get hold of but like you say it's a lot mm. better with things like drive-through cards and stuff like that now mm. i i tell you what if mr henchman if he if he could do them and, and make sure got some extra function in with them so like maybe have some of the functionality that you'd get with it with an uno deck or a playing card deck mm. and then but retain the portraits i mean you could even just work them portraits into a standard playing card deck but obviously he's he's got more portraits so well he'll do something more creative but if he could could get some numbers and symbols and color codes worked in with them that would make them that be super super useful i tell you what i've always thought would be a good idea for like portrait cards you know like with um with your pack of playing cards on a lot of them with your like um your picture cards that your jacks queens and kings they'll have like uh, a sort of double-ended like design, and you have like the face there, and then you have like, the face coming down at the bottom as well. Yeah. If you yeah, could yeah. sort of do that with portraits, and you maybe like a more heroic version and like a more sort of villainous version down at the bottom. So depending on which side up you de- deal with it, you'd still have the same sort of character, but like it would be the slightly evil version or the slightly good version. Mm-hmm. I thought that might be an interesting idea. You could yeah. also use it for damage control. So you could have it like one way up there, all right, and then the other way they're like in old 4e parlance they're like blooded or something yeah, you know man. so um like that record the damage like that yeah goblin's a, bit, a little bit limited but it'd be amusing yeah goblin's henchman has suggested that perhaps on the back of the cards there could be some stat blocks yeah so yeah possibly. yeah but i'll certainly be keeping an eye out for for when they come out i think that sounds like a really good idea if, as i said we, we all really like face folio here we think it's a great product so, yeah, we've all got it. It sounds yeah, like so. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm uh, I'm 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 waiting on my hard copy at the minute, but I've got a um, a PDF copy of it, which is fine. Yeah. It's fine for me because I I mostly do online anyway. So. Yes, yeah, so I I got it in the was it Zinquest two. I think he first did it, and he's redid it for Zinquest four. That's right. But, yeah, because he had a few copies over, didn't he? So um. 
and, and, and being as it, I was just thinking back to the uh, the intro blurb, thinking about working in some of that that British flavour. Uh, so we mentioned Mr. Henchman. He's uh, he's homegrown, homegrown talent. Yep. yep. And also, yeah, I think oh, a few yes. of us have we all got this one. So yeah, the, we've all got that. I got that. I know John's got it. I wasn't sure about you, Pete, but the yeah, um, course, the BX, the BX Monster Index. How sweet is that? Super. I like things that are quite simple and unassuming, yep. you know. And you've got all all your monster stat lines in there. It's a little bit hard to see this one. But Square Hex, Peter Regan, he's the man behind the uh, the printing of these. Yeah. And it's got that similar, that uh, I think it's a laminated um, board, a laminated board. Mm. So super thin board. They call it a board. It's not really like a board, but it is a board. And yeah. it's it's laminated. So, um, yeah. And that's not, not laminated like a laminating machine, not tacky laminated, just like a, a proper pro finish yeah. on your... When yeah, I mean, printed, as you say, Corin, as well. Like most of the most of this sort of like spiral band book is taken up by very simple monster descriptions. But you've also got for BX, you've got like your monster experience points table, your AC conversion yeah. tables, saving throws, turning undead, weapons, armor, armor stats. You've got the older uh, to hit table on the back, <laughs> and and it's it's a really great reference for anyone who's running a sort of a BX game or any sort of retro clone that's in based fact, around I was, I was using mine for a Mortborg the other day just for inspiration yeah. for a creature for Mortborg. So it's, I think even if you're not playing an OSR game, it still idea, gives you an idea um, you know, of monster strength and uh, some ideas. It's a clack. It's sorry. It's a classic example, though. It's it's just not bloated, is it? It's so no. unpretentious. It's really small. Mm. It's really nice. It, you can tell the person who's designed and put this product together has played a rake of games. Yeah. They understand printing. Mm. They and it, it's buttons, isn't it? It yeah. it costs so little, so competitive yeah. pricing. Just it's just great. It's, just it's a it. classic example of like less is more. Yes. Yeah, because there's there's not like a single like millimeter of like wasted space no. in it. I mean, it's almost enough for me to forget my like of like la dislike of like landscape books. I mean, for, for, and that's I, saying something. I, I mean, I mean, don't, don't tell anyone. I'll deny this if you tell anyone. Just, but, just uh, between us three. Yeah, just between just between <laughs> us, us three and Goblin's henchmen, obviously. But um, obviously, I'm not normally a fan of landscape books. I find like referencing them a, a bit of a chore. Cause, you know, you, especially when you're like opening them sort of like a crossways like that. But for this, where it's designed to stand up, so you can flip it over like a flip chart, it makes a lot of sense because you can just stand it up on your table. You want to check what the next monster is, just flip over the page like that, and it, it's literally everything you could want for a quick monster reference. Remi right. Reminds me of the old um, delving deeper where like, all the monster yeah. stats are like, very simple in that like, yeah. OD and D. I was going to say, uh, com com compare uh, that little book to uh, the Pathfinder or 5v Bestry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and w whilst I think there is a there is a place for sort of like I mean, don't worry, I, I love my big coffee table books. I've got like my two like Hyperborea books there that have recently arrived. I've got like Zweihander and DCC and stuff like that. But as we said, if we're doing like a GM kit and I'm travelling somewhere or yeah, I'm travelling. Yeah, I'm go I'm going to a to like a convention or something. I've got my one rucksack that's got to fit my clothes in and like my gaming supplies. 
I'm not taking well, I'm not taking a fat book like that, but something like this, I could slip this in a side pocket of my thing, and I've got all my monsters there. Done. Yeah, I think if I was uh, if uh, if I was uh, going to run a game at convention with something like DCC, uh, I'd be looking at uh, the PDF on uh, a tablet. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be hiking that book around. Uh, yeah. Interesting. You mentioned that. On to tech briefly. Just oh, reminded me. I've got this little thing sat here that I forget about, and it gets used all the time, all the time. Comes in a little little. Um, what do you call that? Uh, neoprene. Like, neoprene. That's the one. Comes in a little neoprene case, and it's a little Sony digital recorder. Oh yeah. Just, oh, a little dictaphone. Yeah, I've got one of them. Like a little dictaphone. Yeah. USB. USB pops out, and you plug it into your device, and if you want to transfer files. But I tell you, it holds hours on it. Super long battery life. The sound is um, surprisingly impressive. And it, it even does a little bit of it. it, does some wizardry in there to correct things. And you can set it on different modes, depending if, you, if you're doing like a, like a sitting all around a table or oh, yeah, if you're yeah. talking directly into it and stuff like that. Um, they're, not, they're not super expensive. Oh, I can't, don't even ask me to read that. I, can't, I don't know which one it is. But it's got a slightly newer model. But I use it every week, just record my sessions. And I never know. It might crop up on a podcast literally off of this just a podcast off of this or um just to listen back and i know john john myself and john and i think we've all probably talked about recording sessions at one time or yeah. another for the functionality of it and when you listen back so many things have been said that you've just missed because you were doing something and it's like oh wow that, oh, that was quite funny and you find yourself uh it's like a different game yeah mm. it's like a session you weren't it's like you weren't there sometimes and I, I find it so amusing. I take this with me, and it's literally in my bag all the time. Well, you, can, you can just throw it in the middle of the table, press record, and forget about That's it. it. Boom! Yeah, yeah. I've had a couple of mishaps where, uh, <laughs> yeah, the battery went flat on me because I'd forgotten to charge it. Because it 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 goes for lo so long, you take it for granted. It's not like like a you know one of the big players in phones that it lasts about. 45 minutes and your phone's flat <laughs> um yeah this is this is it's great it's i think it's probably like maybe 60 probably about 60 quid when i bought it so it's mm. not the cheapest of the cheaper it's it's not it's not like a crazy digital recorder but when it comes to digital the one of the things i have taken to a game is a, a little speaker uh a oh. speaker. it's about that size a speaker on each cent and it's it's rechargeable it's got 127 hours <laughs> battery life which is yeah. ridiculous yeah. and then i just like if i wanted to like play spooky music in the background yeah. or if i was doing when i was doing a star wars game in person i, uh, I always started off with the star wars theme as like if a recap yeah. of the previous session just to set things up so uh i bet it. there's i bet there's not a gm alive that has run star wars without using the star wars theme music yeah, yeah. there you it's, go it's so iconic isn't it <laughs> it's like everybody must go oh yeah i've got you know i've got to do the star wars music yeah, and, I, and and if you're doing it online you've got to do the crawl you've got to do the, the crawl, yeah. crawl. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be done it's just yeah. like um when it but comes... i like the bluetooth speaker it's a yeah. good one pete and but, i've got uh, a little round one like a little dustbin yeah. one yeah and you see it there but, great um... So, like John, uh, I've been uh, using Obsidian for all my notes, so I tend to now take a laptop when I'm in-person gaming, and I've got all my notes in there. Uh, so, like, currently I'm doing Ravenloft, so I've got the maps on there, I've got all my notes, all the creature stats, so I can just sit there with the laptop, and that's all I need, 
And if the place goes somewhere unexpected, I can just zip around. Um, other note-taking apps are available. But uh, yeah, if you're into digital, then with a laptop or a tablet, you can also keep your notes as well. So that's uh, another tip if you're interested. If you want to keep old school pen and paper, yep. that's up to you. We're getting like the Borg. We're getting like the Borg, you know, because I've got into that Obsidian a little bit as well. Hmm. And I'm I'm rubbish at, what is it, markup and all that stuff. Markdown, yeah. yeah. Markdown. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, take off my business hat and, yeah, yeah. so Markdown. Yeah, what, what, yeah, what, what I love about it is that I, I use Markdown anyway for keeping notes because basically, for anyone who doesn't know, Markdown is basically just normal text files, text files that have been in existence since computers, so um, it's text files and it uh, renders them and you can link the, the different uh, text files together. But the beauty of it for me is that uh, it all resides on my hard disk. It's not sitting on the cloud somewhere. So if Google goes bust, I've still got hold of uh, my files. If Obsidian goes bust, I can still access the, the files because they're just basically text files. Yeah. Uh, so that, that's what I like about it. Yeah, I mean, it the... works in the same... There's... If you use Obsidian, you can use it in so many different ways. Yeah. You can usually adapt it to the way you work as opposed to other tools I found. Oh, you've got to do it this way or it doesn't work. Or this, you've got, you've got to adapt way. to them. You've yeah. got to adapt to them. Whereas yeah, this, this will adapt I, to uh, you. I can, I can use folders and links, uh, but I don't have to. Um, other people do it different ways. It's, you can just do it the way that you want to do it. That helps yourself, I think. Yeah, I mean, one of the um, things that Pete Riley says is handy about the, the markdown files because they are just text files they take up very little space on your computer. So if you want to transport them about and you've got even a vaguely sort of uh, like a USB dongle or something that's got like even a small amount of space on it, you can fit a ridiculous amount of text files on it and transport them very easily. Or most devices, whether they be phones, Kindles, tablets, whatever, mm. will recognize text files. So even if you've got your Obsidian note files and you're like, oh, I've, like, I've got Obsidian notes on my phone, but if I hadn't, I could still put the text file on there, open the text file, and it would still be readable even if I didn't have Obsidian notes on there. So it's a very portable, sort of easy thing to use. Like You could just open it up in Notepad if you wanted to and just read the file, and you'd still be mm -hmm. able to read it. I mean, you'd see like, you'd see some formatting marks, like, you, know, you might see like a couple of uh, asterisks where that like, text's in bold or whatever, but it's made to be readable to, to like the naked eye and it's sort of like uh, it's unformatted version if you will like it's t standard txt format that's it so I just look at that, uh, i've got my uh, adventures in middle earth campaign that's just finished which ran for 46 sessions and uh, nice. my obsidian vault if you take out the pdfs which are linked to because i, I I've got a few couple of PDFs of the, of the players' guys in there. If you take them out, the whole thing's about three megabytes with all my um, yeah. the text files in, and that's in you know, at forty-six sessions with all the characters in, all the locations in, uh, all the bestiary. You know, it's it really is, as um, John said, really small files. Yeah, I mean, like you say, my um, my snow can, smoke and snow campaign, which like ran for like two years. If you take out all the the graphics that I linked to and files mm. I linked to. It takes up very little space, like you say, yep. a, a few megabytes, mm. which is nothing nowadays, to be honest. No, that's it. it. In talking of um, campaigns and that, then so my my uh, my jungle campaign resides in analog analog format, and that's mm -hmm. I like a I like an A5 uh, journal, mm. and I kind of like try and do 
well i've I've gone over to kind of keep in one for a campaign so it's, yeah. it's like a folder on your hard drive sort of thing yeah. that way so it all goes in there and when it when it's done either this will run out and i need to get another one mm. or this will just go on the shelf and that would be that campaign pass and i record each session a double page per session plan it out add notes over the top of it and then it's a two-hour session that's normally enough just that double page spread yeah time you just swap it over and do you, do you use the lazy dm method uh, or a version of it? it yeah 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 i yeah. do I, I like his uh i like his secrets idea i yeah. like uh the um forget how he puts it now but that kind of like the high energy start thing strong start yeah 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 um, scenes scenes yeah yeah, yeah. I, he, he he's really good at getting the point across and boiling things mm. down nicely he talking of things being lightweight and and he, he's good at minimizing stuff mm. and making things flow nicely i think I just i just yeah. run uh last night i run uh, my first uh, session of mortborg and uh in the I know I, I did a review of the book and I'm not a fan of the book because the artwork is just like too garish, but they've done a, a bare bones edition, which is just print. Mm. And the, advent, the adventure in that, the way they've set out the rooms uh, is really good. And I think it's probably a method I'm going to look at doing my dungeons in the future because it basically starts off with uh, one or two lines in italics, which is the description of the room. Then it's bullet points, three or four bullet points with a couple of two or three keywords bold, bolded. And then below that, you've got um, what's to the north, east, south, and west. So, like, if you go north, there's a door. To the east, there's a corridor. And it was so super simple to run from that, just with these bullet points. Right. Um, if you try and run, you know, like um, any of the latest um, Watsy stuff, no, you've got no. to read through page, you know, paragraphs of text to, to pick the, uh, the bits out. And I've always, like, I'm running Ravenloft at the moment for main face, and I tend to bullet point try and read through it bullet point the bits i need because i just haven't got time to sit through uh, descriptions of loads of stuff in game yeah definitely i was just wondering if i could find uh horde horde of the dragon queen one of the things if somebody else wants to talk about something i'll see if i can yeah, so find if, it. i'll give an example in um mortborg so You've got uh, cells, so it starts off cells. The description is repulsive stench of death and gore, bodies everywhere, and the bullet points: bold corpses, some whole, some torn apart, prisoners, bolded, emaciated and pleading but mad. East is an iron door to the guardroom, audible voices. To the west, stuck door to the corridor, dead silence. And then below, get close to, too close to the cells. The hungry and insane prisoners strangle anyone passing through them, make an agility roll to avoid and a strength roll to break free. And that's all you need for, for that room is just that so you can add to it. Um, and I just found that so super simple to uh, run on the game. I thought that, uh, yes. Yeah. I found mine. You you won't see it very well. Uh... Stick, stick your face behind it and it'll, it'll probably focus. There we oh. go. Yep. There you go. Ah, it's rubbish. You can't see it. But it's basically Wyventor out of uh, Lost Minds of Handelva. Oh, no, Horde of the... Mm. Horde of the Dragon Queen, pretty sure. And boiled down into one map with uh, all these little word processed little boxes that are cut out and laboriously stuck around the map. And I, I think I boiled it down from like 10 or 12 pages just down to one. 
you couldn't do that i mean it's it's not something you could maintain it's not sustainable <laughs> um and i did it as an exercise just to sort of see how that would work and i was happy with the outcome and it worked really well but it's like one page so if you're a publisher that wants to sell books you're not going to boil down all your stuff like that because it makes it like a one-page dungeon and and that won't sell your books and it, mm. and people want to sort of sit there and because i think there's a, probably a, ma a massive part of the hobby is, is people that buy the books to sort of like read them for mm. a leisure time activity and they just kind of like the whole reading thing so that's what i've done there that's no good to them no, and, and probably like the more the more book thing is is probably for a bunch of the people that are buying them big old books. Mm. It's no, that's no good to them. It's not going to scratch scratch the itch. Yeah, but... I think you make um, you make an interesting point though, there, Colin. That because um, I mean I, I love like sitting down with, like a big old book and like reading through it just for the enjoyment of reading it. But I have very different sort of uh, I suppose a criteria criteria if I'm, yeah. if I'm looking for. A book that I want to sit down and read, as opposed to when I'm like, right, I've got a, I've got a three-hour train journey that I've got to take my stuff with me to go and run a game, and as soon, so I think it's whether I want a book just to read it. So like my, my DCC, my Hyperborea, and stuff like that. I love sitting down mm. and reading them. Great books, mm. great art, stuff like that. Brilliant. Whereas mm. when I come to go, all right, yeah, I've got to do a big train journey. I've got to carry everything with me on my person. I'm like, give me stuff like this any mm. day of the week where I can just slide a few books like this size or like you know like your old school essentials like small books or like yeah a lot of the retro clones are like smaller books just slide I, I, them into I, my bag done i was gonna say john a, a winter's daughter sound like when i went through uh through that uh some proofreading stuff on winter's daughter i remember thinking oh this is a really refreshing layout and uh, i haven't actually run it but I played in it when you've run it, John, and I, I played in it when um, when Gavin was playtesting it, and he he was all about that, like like the Mortbook thing, mm. you know, the, these kind of bullet points and the way you present the information in in the order that you're likely to see it, so that mm. you know if there's a dirty great big dragon in there, it's no good reading out like half a page of box text. It's at the bottom, yeah. Oh, by yeah, the way, yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't forget about smaug in the corner yeah you know? <laughs> because that happens in yeah it does say you're right some some adventures or, are bad or, for that or you'll read through and then the last pack will say but if the, if the players do this then this doesn't happen you think oh bloody hell, yeah and they've already that. like piled into the room or something <laughs> yeah. and then it tells you about the trap that was on the door handle oh by the way save versus death save versus death retcon yeah. retcon <laughs> you're, you're absolutely right i mean one of the things i do like about Pretty much all of the official obviously adventures they've released, and a lot of the, a lot of the third party ones that've been released, is they do very much follow that sort of. You maybe get a slightly bigger description later on, but when you have a location in like a mapped out dungeon or something, it gives you those bullet points at the start. It's like these are the important things you need to know straight in front of you. They're, they're quick to digest, and like you say, you don't have to like read through three paragraphs of stuff to try and extract the information yourself. It's all there. Well, I just thought, I just thought, you know, you said about maps right at the beginning, Pete. Yeah. The other thing I normally have in, in, you would probably call it your GM kit, is if I've got a book and I'm running an adventure, I, cop, I always copy out a map so that it's accessible map that yeah. I can have separate to the, the text. So yeah. I'm not flicking through. I can stay on the text and just refer yeah. to a, a separate map. 
maybe worth not maybe that doesn't occur to everybody if you have mm. if you've never run many games definitely worth having a separate map and it, classically that was one of our one of the things that for people growing up in the 70s and 80s where you had a tsr module where the where the cover was separate from yeah, the, it, the, the text of it. the booklet that was always a great thing about that. it made a little shield and it had the map and then you had the adventure as a like a separate booklet yeah, yeah. kind of thing with like a, a loose cover I was going to say as well, that's just reminded me of one of the other useful things to go back to like index cards again. One of the useful things about them is they make incredibly good impromptu bookmarks. Yeah. So, like, you know, you don't want to mark your nice role play book or whatever, but you're like, right, I know there's going to be like a big fight here, or maybe during the course of a, you know, you slide an index card into into the combat part of the book, you, you leave a bit sticking out, you're at combat on the top of it or whatever. Or during the game, you you find some like random chart, and you're like, oh, "I'm probably going to need that again later." Slide an index card in, write the name well, of the chart I, on the top. I, I don't do, but I've seen a, I've played with a few GMs that uh, they'll get their players' handbook out or the GM's guide, and there'll be thousands of uh, coloured post-it notes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Just enough so you know, marked yeah. uh, adventure tables, equipment, and I think, oh, that, yeah, that's a good idea. And you get little sticky, uh, like flag type ones that are like yeah. little strips. They're more durable than the um, yeah. like a normal post-it. Yeah, yeah. yeah and they're, they're still scotch or whatever. And, and you yeah. can put them in like little, mm. yeah, little flags down the side. I was going to say, um, I thought, sorry, go ahead, Colin. I was just going to say the other. So we're going to have like interspersed um, index card ideas. So fold the index card in half, make a little impromptu table tent. You know, mm, like so, like you have a, like a name stand, little standy. Well, you can then slice it and make uh, make it miniature size. So you've got your little paper miniature, and then you just write what it is on there. You know, big mm. ass orc or mm. sniveling goblin, or just put a number on there. Yeah, and I mean, there's your paper minis for you again. If you do a more traditional standy as well, you know, just fold an index card in half. It can be quite handy because you can just like. Have a player put it in front of themselves, write the character name on it and their AC yeah, or and whatever. The name and the, yeah, have yeah. them all put face in the GM or whatever. So rather than you having to go, oh, uh, what, 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 what's your, what's your, what's your character's again? name again? Yeah, what, what's your character <laughs> yeah. name? You can just look and it's all stood there in front of people. Which, again, if you're if you're in like a one shot or it's with a group that like you know you, you're not going to get as much time to get to know the characters and the people playing, it can be really handy just to have those little reference points where well, instead of slowing the game down by having to ask, you can just like quickly glance across the table and be like, oh yeah, that guy's playing the Barbarian, his name's Throg McMuscle and he's got AC 18 or whatever and you can just carry on with the game. Yeah, I tend to, to for my Ravenloft game, in person, I think it's eight players, seven or eight players, I'm useless for remembering which characters which uh, yeah. to which person. So I tend to have an index card outside of me with all the players' names and in brackets, uh, or the way on the, the characters name in brackets, who, who which players playing that? Because I think yeah. out of seven characters, I think four of them they've got names that begin with the letter A, and I can never remember. Are you Elvik or are you Elwin or are you Aaron? Yeah. I can't believe that. We've had the same thing. There's something a little bit about the weight of them and the size of them yeah. that makes them a bit easier to handle than shuffling like loads of paper that all seems a bit the same. And uh, I'll tell you, in, quick quick uh, story about them table tents with names on. I went for a job interview and I had a list of names and I had to do like a demonstration. And I had, I think I had about 24 hours. So I've got a list of 30 names, 
put them onto table tents, went around the room, put a name for each person. When the people come in, they had somewhere to go to their places. And the guy that was interviewing me uh, afterwards said, oh, I've never seen that before. I really like that. And this guy had been doing the job 20 years and he'd never seen that done before just so that you could you knew people's names you could organize the space and stuff like that and just a post-it note so not rpgs but a similar thing um just showing the utility of the of the humble uh, index card again indeed and as we're sort of getting nearer the end of this episode goblin's henchman's like sliding in like indiana jones reaching under the uh the temple door <laughs> coming down with another Watch out idea. For that boulder. that's it yeah he, he's grabbed that stone and thrown the bag of sand on there and that's he's it. uh he's making his dash for it yeah he's coming with a suggestion we're talking about dungeon maps and stuff like that and labeling them He's, uh, I know he's talked about this before on his own uh, podcast Excel. and his own products. Yeah, he's talked about using an Excel sheet to... Spreadsheet. Yeah, mm. you can basically shrink all the, the cells down so it's a grid. You can put an image behind it, and then in each grid you can basically right-click on it and put a note in that little grid wherever on the map you want. And then when you want to see that note, you've just got to click on it and a little pop-up will come up with the note in and you can if you're using technology you can use that as a very easy and quick, the, the, quick way the, the spreadsheets are so handy in my last job i used to spend eight hours a day five days a week on them and so i got so sick to death of the damn things but yeah they are super handy for all stuff like that for um, organizing information organizing stuff yeah. um for um Cal- doing calculations, especially yeah. if you you know uh, if you like need armor class and stuff like that, you know, uh, referencing cells. They're just it's it's like like witchcraft. I, I mm. seem to remember as well. I think it was Goblin's Henchman. Shout in the chat if I'm wrong, Goblin's Henchman. But um, I believe he did a, a spreadsheet where basically you could put like a different number in each cell, and he'd set it up so it would change like the formatting and like the shading on the cell based on the number that was in there yes, yes so, so yes, you had like a little that. key and you could just be like oh data, uh, data validation so uh, yeah if, if yeah, yeah. one the, the, the cell is green yes yeah conditional conditional formatting yeah, yeah so, it, so like oh, it, it'd have a little key and it'd be like oh yeah put a number five in it if you want it to be water and you'd like do that and it'd put like a little texture and blue in it yeah conditional format and exactly right goblin's henchman and that was like a really handy thing if you wanted to like really quickly sort of produce a dungeon map because everyone's with a computer pretty much has got some version of excel or some other spreadsheet program and they all by and large work pretty much the same so something like that they say it's very good for storing information and organizing it but also as we said with a lot of these things if you if you sort of think about different ways of using them like with all of the other stuff we've talked about, you can get an awful lot more mileage out of them than you might think. Yeah, it's like a three D map, isn't it? Because you've you've got you've got the you've got the X and the Y axis, and then you've got your your Z coming from like the depth of the information that you can put in each cell. So it's like having a it's like having a three D space in that spreadsheet, which is yeah, that's pretty awesome. You you kind of get you. You you lose a little bit of charm of the map, obviously, and maybe a little yeah. bit of the inspirational quality 
quality of it. But if you think about what's going on there in terms of functionality, it, it's awesome. I love it. I well, love the idea. I, I haven't done it, but I, I, would I like when, it. whenever I look at a, a software or if I'm out uh, somewhere looking at uh, things in a shop, like you know, the middle of Lidl or whatever, I'm always looking at something. Right? How can I use this in RPGs? That, that's the first thing <laughs> in my brain. It's always like, right, yeah. this is meant for that. But can I use it in any way for RPGs? <laughs> To make my life easier. Like, and so, if you can, <laughs> if you can uh, recommend a number of a uh, sound therapist, Pete's clearly in need of yeah, one. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I can't. I can't really yeah. throw any stones, Pete. I mean, I um, just tell a very quick story. I was down at um, Aldi like a few years ago, and you know they've always got. Or it might have been a little. I forget. But you know they've always got like what I like to call the mystery aisle. Down yeah, the they, middle, middle for yeah. Where they, they, they just they just bung loads of old like random old tat on it, you know. And I always have a look. You never know. Like say, I'm always yeah. like, oh, there might be something I can use there. I was looking for uh, just a desk lamp, like a simple like desk lamp that I could like move. And we looked down there, and um, me and Hannah were having a quick look, and I was like, oh, there's a desk lamp. Here. It's only like five quid. It's powered by USB. You just plug it into a USB. Brilliant. And then she's like, oh, do you want this one that's just like. A, a white uh, desk lamp like a big bulb on we said do you want this one that's got like a sort of ring of like color check with like color changing leds in on the bottom and i was like get me the one with a color changing in it because i can use that in rpgs <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah oh yes i that's, thought uh... i've got i've got this will be i swear this is my last thing all right <laughs> right got... you heard it here first listeners yeah an A5 size, like presentation folder thing. So it's like, you know, like the plastic s sleeves, you get like document folders that you'd put in like a ring binder. Oh yeah, yeah. So just like plastic sleeves, but in a in a book, and they're and they're permanently in there. So okay. it's like a, and I forget how many. I think, I think this has got, f I think this has got sixty pockets. So it's it's twenty sheets. I oh, know thirty sheets. Is it business cards? Is it? Hey, is it one for business cards? No, no, it's full A. Yeah, it's oh, full, full A five. Yeah, mm. you you can you can get like card collector oh, ones yeah. and all of yeah. that stuff and business card ones, but it just allows me to print off A five mm. um, tables, and like whatever you you whatever you've got on high rotation. Yes, you, that's you, a good idea. You, you slot it in there. So like on the first page, I've got lasers and feelings. Good game. Like like. Good game. Uh, and now I've got cell uh, swords and sorcerer, um, uh -huh. cell, cell, sorcerers and cell swords. Yeah, easy. <laughs> I, I can never get, I get it the wrong way. I never get yeah, it the wrong way. And, and so that's just a double page spread. Uh, and, and sometimes you might need to shrink it down, and then it gets can get a little bit small if you go right from A4 down to A5. But it's, it's generally all right. And and that's kind of like my format. Are you? I'll tell you what I've got in there. Um, uh, stars without number names, the name, the name lists out. Yeah, of stars yeah. without number because I really like them. I put them in there. Uh, micro games, loads of micro games, um, tunnel goons, all that sort of thing. And sometimes I, I, I like. Um, there's so many games. I've got so many games in here. Uh, sometimes I just take tables and condense them down, collage them together, and just make them so I know that they'll they'll slot in here. And then if you've got any trifold stuff. Because it's like um like each one's like a little wallet. Sometimes at the back you could just like lob a few post-it cards in there or trifold zines, anything like that. It's super flexible, changeable, goes in the bag, and then I've covered it 
with a grid for a kind of a kind of chess-like game. So it's actually it's like a game board on the outside that you can play with dice. You play it with D6 and you can play a little board game. If you're between games, you can just challenge someone to oh, a little cool. game. Yeah, so it's so it's a board. So it's a board on um, the outside as well. And is that I'm something you made or something that you purchased? So so the so the game is a is a copy that I, of a, a board game that someone showed me and I said, Oh, I could just make that with um, you know, I just draw that out and dice out of a dice bag and that's cool and it look when you see it in the flesh it, it kinda it looks quite nice. Um but the the product itself is from you know whatever online retailer you, you might want to go to and uh it, it's got a regular cover so you can like slot in so if you wanted to you would just its presentation aspect allows you to put a front and back cover. So my copies of like uh, BX are reduced from A4 or US size, yeah, yeah. Uh, are reduced down to A5. So I've got BX with basic and expert put together in one of these in A5 format is my go-to old old school that's tr- that's pretty cool man rules i've yeah. just had a yep. um i've set a scout on amazon and i've found uh, an a5 presentation display book similar to the one you were describing with like 40 pockets that's in it. it and it's like it's like four quid yep yeah um yeah that that reminds see that isn't feeling someone did i was trying to find it on my um google drive someone did um a sheet uh, i think it was like two two uh double page spread of little games that he could put in his pocket and take to uh, conventions. And it was things like Honey Heist, Lasers and Feelings, uh, Roll for Shoes and all that. And it's, uh, all of those games, you've got that. Yep. It's in it. Yeah, that's really good, Pete. There it is. Look, there it is. It's actually, that's actually there. That's the uh, one. Yep, yep. Yeah. So Lasers and Feelings, uh, Roll for Shoes, The Witch is Dead. Yep. Uh, he, it goes on a few more pages, actually. You've got Neon and Chrome, Senate and Sabres, Blood and Chrome, Scrolls and Swords, Solum. Yeah, it go, goes on. World of Dungeons is on it. World of Dungeons yeah. is two thirds of half a column. Uh, yeah. One column, two thirds of one column. So it's like the size of, well, three inches by two inches, something like that. That's a whole rule set. <laughs> Crazy. Oh, no, so, John, no, are you going to put a link in the show notes for that as well? Might as well. What, for the. Um... Presentation book, yeah. Presentation book, I will do. Just give me a second. We might as well. Uh... Who, who done these rules? Who did these rules? I trimmed them down a little bit. Would you believe? Uh, there I, we go. It's a bit feeling, of a bit of a massive a link, but well, there we go. I have a feeling the gentleman was German. I seem to remember, but I can't remember. Ah. Uh, I think at the beginning of the document it says who it is. Horwitz. Uh, I need my glasses, but glasses out. Into professorial mode. Grant Howitt. Grant Howitt, is it? Yeah. Grant Howitt spelled H O W I double T at look lookrobot.co.uk. Homegrown, bro. Mm-hmm. Nice. I think on that bombshell, that's probably where we're going to wrap up for today. Obviously, since we're we're covering things with a a British flavour. You should also make sure when you're gaming, you've got that most important thing, a nice cup of tea and a, a pack of decent biscuits as well. Because, you know, we, we are British. Yeah, you've got to get them chocolate <laughs> digestives or them chocolate hobnobs. 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 Oh, yes. hobnobs. oh, you're yeah. posh in Burton on Trent, aren't you, hobnobs? 
what can I say, man? I just like biscuits that aren't going to fall to pieces when I dunk them in my coffee or my tea. You know what I mean? But uh, it just remains for me to say thank you to Pete from Dragons Are Real, Colin from Spike Pit. I've been John from Red Dice Diaries. Obviously, check out all the individual podcasts. And we will put up a, an audio version of this shortly afterwards. This has been us on Purple Worm talking about what we would include and what maybe you want to think about including in your GM kit. And this episode was unofficially brought to you by Parker Pens <laughs> and Goblin's Henchman because knowing's <laughs> half the battle. So thank you very much for listening. And we're after the outro music, we're going to be out of here. So thanks very much, guys. Take care. Oh.